welcome once again to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me as always is my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Doing well, Jordan. And I, I know, you know, since moving to Southern California, it's always hard, um, you know, to meet new people. But I, I understand you, you made a friend in, in practice on on Wednesday morning, somebody tried to share a meal with you. Why do you like to hurt me? <laughs> That's what I want to know. You just like to hurt me. Yes, for those listening, we have a couple Twitter followers who are now heavily invested in the saga of me versus whatever this massive bird of prey was at Rams camp. Uh, he apparently is a solid fixture there. His name is Wilson, as sources close to the Rams have reported. <laughs> Uh, to the athletic, you know, I I was standing there watching Jared Goff uh, work on throwing off his front and back foot this morning, and all of a sudden I turn around and this massive winged predator is flying over me, dangling a dead squirrel, and got about four feet away from me. I really understood the message; it was very clear. That is his territory. I respect it, Wilson. I respect you, man. You are the alpha here. I got you. Um, but Rich, that was frightening. <laughs> I have to say, I was <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting there's, it. There's uh, I I don't know whether we filled you in about that Cal Lutheran area. There's there's been reports of rattlesnakes. Um, there, there's all kinds of interesting wildlife up in those hills. So well, um, I was mostly worried it was going to end up on hard knocks, which coincidentally is why we are <laughs> what we're talking about on this podcast today. And I feel like in my intro, you know, I say your favorite Rams podcast, but I am completely honored that it's a Rams and Chargers podcast today. Uh, we are taking uh, cues from the team, sharing a stadium, and we are now sharing a podcast today. We welcome Daniel Popper, Chargers writer extraordinaire for The Athletic to the show. Daniel, how are you? Oh my, what an intro. I am doing well. And I just want to say that I would take birds of prey and rattlesnakes over swarms of wasps, which is what I'm dealing with at Chargers Camp. I've already been stung once. And the only reason I haven't been stung multiple times is that I sprint away from the wasps every time they come near me or land on my legs. We should put them all in a area together and see who comes out on top. Battle Royale. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is why I don't go to training camp. <laughs> I just I'm not willing to expose myself. Rich is to willing. Anything. Rich is willing to sacrifice his riders for the for the for yeah, the greater good. I, last year I got hit by Brandon Cooks. That was as close as I got to uh, to anything dangerous happening uh, after a catch. But I, I was able to wrap him up and uh, not sustain any damage. But uh, yeah, you guys are. Uh, I, I didn't know. Uh, that uh, it, was, it was such a, a dangerous environment out there in, in, in training camp. So congratulations to both of you to, to, for making it here to our, our to our podcast. But uh, yeah, so, you know, we're now three episodes in, into Hard Knocks, which obviously for the first time is uh, featuring two teams, featuring the, the, the Rams and Chargers. Um, I mean, what do, what do you guys think? It's It's been a little bit uneven to me, and I, I have a little bit of hard time criticizing them. I feel a little bit bad about it because we're in the middle of a pandemic and these poor people are trying to, you know, produce television with a, with a very quick turnaround. Um, but uh, I mean, what do you think? Is it, is it a, is it a good representation uh, of what happens at, at training camp or, or can it even be? No, I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a jerk and I know, you know, I have so much respect for people who cut and edit film, who, 
do everything, but there's only so much you can do. Let me just say players and coaches as a rule, like hard knocks has, has been this kind of really interesting concept from a fan perspective, but from a coach and player perspective, the first roll around with hard knocks is like, oh my gosh, it's so um, invasive. Like we don't want to show anything, right? We don't want to show anything, especially when we didn't have a spring. There's no reports out on what our team's going to do. There's no reports out on who's, you know, playing in what position when there's certain questions about some positions. There's no reports out yet on how good players look. And so not only is the Hard Knocks crew, their hands are tied because there's only so much they can do with the pandemic um, happening right now. And and to be fair, I thought they showed it really, really well in that first episode. So in terms of that being the antagonist, yes, they did a great job with that. Um, but in terms of, I mean, I have so, I am so fascinated by the nuts and bolts of what happens at Rams camp. And there is so much electricity and so many, um, you know, electric personalities. And I just, to me, it's just not something's just off and I and I get it I totally get it because there's only so much you can do and then you also can't like especially if you're Sean McVay you don't want to you you know you don't want to show anything uh there was kind of a sense very much so that like the Rams understood that maybe there weren't going to be fans in SoFi and so you really need this marketing push um not just for the for both teams but also for the stadium it was kind of like resigned like okay I guess we're doing this so, you know, they've described Hard Knocks as being very respectful of p- people's space, very respectful of not showing too much. Um, but, like, between that and maybe, like, not everybody really being on board with having their lives invaded, <laughs> like, that's – it's just been tough for them. And so I I, I would say that I, I see a lot of electricity and a lot of excitement out of the Rams. I don't quite know if that's been communicated yet on Hard Knocks, um, in my opinion, but – you know, there's a bunch of episodes left, and and honestly, I think the Chargers are proving right now, at least portrayed on on scene, as like they are fun to watch, right, Daniel? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Just going back to what you guys were talking about before, like the struggles with the show. I think the reason for that is threefold. So, so first, you, you didn't have any football happening for the first two weeks of camp, um, and so they were forced to to sort of find other angles, one of which was, you know, all the COVID testing and protocols. And so that's kind of related to it too. So you don't, so you're trying to make football episodes without football. And so you're showing a lot of COVID stuff. And I think Jordan and I, we've both experienced this. People, when they're sitting down to watch a sports show or to read sports content, they don't really want to hear about the pandemic because they're looking for an escape. So I think featuring that heavily, they didn't really have a choice. They had to feature it heavily. And I found it personally fascinating, but I don't think that your layman watcher an audience member is really looking to like see all of these reminders of the pandemic. And then the third thing I would say is that it's hard with two teams with one team. You can really dive into all these personalities and the different battles happening and the different coaches and and parts of the organization. And like, you can really dive deep into all these things and, and do these human interest pieces and also focus on the football stuff with two teams. I think we're finding that it's hard to really dive as deep as you're looking for in a typical hard knock season. And so a lot of these, a lot of these vignettes, tend to be pretty surface level. Um, and just with the Chargers, like I know they're a fascinating football team on the field, but they also have these amazing personalities off the field, whether it's Keenan Allen or Austin Eckler or Derwin James. And you just don't really see Hard Knocks getting sort of the depth of personality from these guys just because they have to balance two teams. Yeah. And I, so I think all three of those things together are, are sort of creating a season that, you know, is, you know, isn't really living up to past seasons. But, you know, if I was running the show 
I mean, obviously this is hindsight and hindsight's 2020, but you know, I would have just done the chargers because they are fascinating. And I think that if you did, if you had just had one team in the chargers, uh, it would have been a better show. Yeah. I think something notable with the Rams is like, they are, there's so much camaraderie and like, I, I haven't really seen that on hard knocks. Like you go to practice every day and this is, this group is just really, really tight and they're just kind of all there for each other. And there's great rapport through like within every position group and then within the team as a whole, but you're not, you're not seeing that at all. And I think that's, those are great points that you made. Like, first of all, they're balancing all of this footage that they have and trying to tell the story of two teams. So you think, okay, well, what are your major storylines? And then you sort of like get this sort of almost like manufactured feeling from Mm -hmm. the Rams side of it, which is so not how they are. Like, you know, Sean McVay and his pool and the Rosé and all this. That's so not how they are. Like, they are chilling in Southern California playing football on the side of a freaking mountain. Like, it's cool as crap. But like, <laughs> and they're just really chill with each other and really, really great with each other. And there's there's so much fun. And like, thank God for Dante Dion because he's the only person who they've, really been able to tap into as someone who's just so um electric and so vibrant on you know on the screen and then everything else it almost feels like they're not even letting these guys tell their own stories or getting deep into their own stories they're just kind of manufacturing these storylines like do you know how much work that would ta- that would have to take to plan a zoom call with your father, who is an NFL strength coach and also Brett Favre, <laughs> like, or, or, you know, this, the moment early on with Jalen Ramsey, like seemed, you know, the way that it was edited seemed really interesting because we, everything was just so chill. Everything was normal. And so, it, you know, I, I get, they have to try to make these storylines happen, but if they just like really covered these guys being themselves and letting them be themselves, I think so much more of the the interesting parts of the Rams would shine forward. And and I do think it, to your point, you know, it sounds like on both teams, there are so many fascinating, incredible personalities and it's just kind of almost not doing justice to either team by being so surface level. I think one of the things that, I struggle with on hard knocks is I, I think sometimes they try to put it into into little boxes too much, uh, and I think they're doing this with the Rams a little bit. You you, you find the quirky personality, you find the underdog, right. you find the you know the somebody toothpick. like the toothpick. <laughs> like it, it almost seems like they they start off with a checklist and and are like, okay, we need to find this guy, this guy, yeah. and this guy. The big and, contract uh, drama. The the you know right yeah the convenient rather than contract like you, drama. <laughs> yeah rather than like you're saying just kind of let it happen yeah. or organically and, and see what you got I feel like they've been able to accomplish that a little bit more uh with the chargers but one thing I wanted to check in with with both of you on um is the one thing one thing that I've really liked is the way that the coaches have kind of have come through and, you know, having been around them a little bit, you know, Sean a lot, Anthony Lynn a little bit, myself, um, these are two very compelling people, but they really couldn't be much more different in terms of their personalities, uh, maybe even the way that they approach their job. So, so how would you say uh, that they've been kind of represented, you know, compared to the way that they are on a day-to-day basis? Uh, Daniel, do you, do you want to start with Anthony? Because I think people maybe know a little bit less about him than, than about Sean. Yeah, he, he isn't sort of a very prominent figure, in, in at least publicly among among head coaches. But I think they've done a good job of portraying him. You know, you go back to that that barbecuing scene 
in in the first episode and it was sort of a window into you know he he's a texas guy you know went to texas tech played football there and 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 you know he's barbecuing out and, and you got to see his personality come out a little bit you know talking about how you know how he met his wife in cleveland and you know you know talking to to bill parcells and, and then even just even just how he you know portrayed the covid the positive covid test and being infected with covid and and having to deal with that and and talking about like the mental health issues in it like that i think really is anthony lynn as a as a person he's very empathetic um and he relates to his players that is why he is is widely regarded as one of the better head coaches in the nfl his players respect him and the reason for that is because he's open, because he's honest. He's not willing to. He's he's totally willing to tell a player that you know, say with Darius Bradwell, the the undrafted rookie, that he's overweight and he's not quite there and he needs to shed some pounds. Like he's gonna he's gonna be real with his players. And I think ultimately that's all players can ask for from their head coaches. I think where you get some schisms in organizations is when a coach is, it sort of refuses to have those open dialogues with players and prefers to keep it you know much more professional. Anthony Lynn keeps it professional, but he is very upfront with his players. And that breeds respect. And I think what also breeds respect is the fact that he played in the NFL. Um, you know, that goes a long way in terms of connecting with your players and, and earning that respect in the locker room. Like they know that he's been through two a days in training camp. You know, they know that he's played on Sundays. Like he was on a Super Bowl team with the Broncos. So he's, he knows what it takes to win a championship. And so, you know, you have players that are willing to follow him because of all these things. And, and it's been nice to sort of see the human side of Anthony Lynn come out through, through hard knocks because we get to see it, you know, interacting with him. Um, and the players obviously talk about it when you interview them about, or even just chat with them about what makes Anthony Lynn a great coach. But it, it's been nice to see, you know, his personality come out um, sort of on a, in front of a larger audience. Yeah. Can I just say, I loved the napkin around the fork barbecue brush because, you know, after living in the South for four, four years, um, I have so much respect for that. Like that is, that was an incredible little detail that I just absolutely loved. And I loved seeing more about Anthony Lynn, who you always hear is such a great players coach. And then actually seeing it, I thought was, was really fantastic. And I think with Sean, also a players coach, but I also don't know that he got a fair shake <laughs> from Hard Knocks because um, you know, I, I've been in LA just a couple of months and, but before, prior to that had, you know, some knowledge, much knowledge of, of Sean through various circles and had met him at the combine. And, um, you know, he's like a beer guy and he's a guy who is just like would lay down on train tracks for his, co his assistant coaches and his players. And it's kind of, I don't know, it, it, it kind of was it felt strange to me to see instead that they wanted him in the pool and they wanted him with the glass of rosé looking over his, which I do like the patio shot because that's a little spicy Sean McVay, a uh, little bit of a, a knock toward Cliff Kingsbury, I believe. And so, you know, that's a little spicy, which I appreciated. That's a little bit of his, his sort of underside that it's like very, very fiery competitive. But he also, I don't know that he got sort of a fair introduction. I think what I really appreciated is is seeing him outside of his media setting. You know, he's very polished toward me, toward media. And I think he's starting to understand and let his guard down a little bit. And we very much thought, can I just say, I absolutely respect the potty mouth on Sean McVay because that man has 10 swear words that he uses as efficiently in rotation as he does his receivers <laughs> and like 
it is amazing. And so, you know, but but that's that's all kind of the fun stuff. The real stuff is you see him in the background and he floats through all of the positions. You know, he's very much, he has this reputation as being this offensive coach and all of that, but you see him floating through all of the positions and really trying to bond with his guys and, and sort of talking a little smack and then bringing up good memories and, and talk and have just generally trying to connect with people. And I think where Sean sort of this disconnect happens with him publicly is like, okay, does this guy ever, is this guy ever off? Is he ever not on? And you see a little bit more of what we see at practice and sort of his natural side of, he just really loves people. And, and he sa- he even says it. They finally do him justice at the end of the episode. He says, I bleeping love football and I love you guys. And that's really, that is Sean McVay in a nutshell. Yeah, I think Sean got kind of, you know, stereotyped a little bit maybe or put into a it's little bit hair, of a role. It's the hair, I think. I think they saw the hair <laughs> and they were like, all right, you're, we're going to make you an L.A. douchebag. Like, that's, that's really what they, <laughs> that's what they saw. But it's not him. He's not that. No, no, it's not. Yeah, you, you definitely, if that was your only, uh, you know, experience of Sean McVay, your only exposure to him, I, I, don't, I don't think it would be. Uh, fair, but you know, I understand it's a TV show. And the other thing about Hard Knocks is that it occurred to me, you know, it's funny in 2016, uh, they did, and Jordan, I know we, we had a similar experience with this because they, they did Hard Knocks, right? And we knew, obviously, we knew they were doing Hard Knocks. And then the, the camera crew stuck around, and it was the first year they were in LA, and we didn't really know. We were like, this must just be normal you know they have cameras around and then we find out later in the year oh actually they've been filming all year for all or nothing which was the amazon show um and they were two very very different experiences all or nothing was very kind of football focused uh you you could tell it was being made for you know for, for football fans for rams fans the HBO show, to me, strikes a little bit more of like the, you know, yes, it's a football show. Yes, we want football fans to watch it. But they're also kind of making it into a little bit more of a drama. Um, I, I don't know if you if you guys agree with that. But that's always been a little bit my sense of it is, yes, you, you are seeing what's going on in training camp. But, but it's also kind of almost like a serialized look at, at, at what training camp is like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I, I've never seen uh, all or nothing. Um, but you know, part of what, and I was getting into this early, part of what, what makes hard knocks great is that they are able to sort of dive into these, these human stories. Um, you know, I even go back to like one of the best ones I've seen recently is going back to last year with Darren Waller and he hadn't had the breakout season yet. Uh, but you know, they talked about him overcoming addiction. And I think a big part of that was that, Darren Waller was willing to speak on it and to tell his story. Um, but all of a sudden you develop the sort of deep connection to a player and you're, and you're rooting for him to succeed because of what he's been forced to overcome. Um, and so, you know, if you were just focusing on X's and O's in football, you know, you would say, you know, yeah, he's a very talented and, and he's bounced around a little bit. And, and now, you know, the, the Raiders are really excited because he's fully healthy and he's, you know, got this speed and athleticism and great hands. And so like they're expecting a breakout season. That would be the football story. The human story is that, you know, he is, he is now a spokesman for, for, you know, how to, how to deal with addiction. He's a success story for how to overcome addiction and, and, and beat that disease and, and, and deal with that disease. And, and so it becomes this human story instead. And, and you're able to develop these connections with players. And I think audi- audience members around the country would tell you the same thing that watched that Raiders season saying like, you know, wow, like this is a guy I'm going to root for because now I know what motivates him as a human being and not just what he brings as a, as a football player. Right. I think that's, 
that's a great point. I don't I don't see a lot of that yet here. I think that you can't you can't, and we know this as journalists. You can't force that type of storytelling. Either it comes to you or it doesn't. Either a player or a, a human subject is is willing to let you in or they are not. And or uh, I think perhaps in this case, like some in some parts, they physically you cannot be let in because of COVID, because of, um, you know, all of these different restrictions, because you're doing two teams like those types of things. Right. And, you know, Rich, you're right. Like I did. I, I've now done uh, hard knocks or I'm doing hard knocks. And now and I've, I did all or nothing, which, again, find it really wild that nobody gives anyone a heads up that these guys are just freaking around filming all the time because I will tell you what I would have showered more but you know I think (laughs) like like it's just um it's very very different because there was so much built-in drama with that Panther season when they were on all or nothing uh with Cam getting hurt and you know so much unknown about the shoulder and the foot and all uh, you know big losing streak Ron Rivera um, you know, is on the outs at that point. And it just was so much, um, just so much drama, right? And so they didn't really have to reach very far to find their storylines. New owner, you know, that was another big thing. You always have to look at the marketing motivations behind these things. And I think here it was a little too obvious in terms of the new stadium and, um, you know, wanting to make sure that these teams are leaving an impact within the region and so from that, it just, I have not seen those compelling, really compelling storylines. And part of it might be that they just, there, there hasn't been time or there haven't been people willing or able to open up or there's restrictions in some ways. But really, I mean, I don't think you can make, you know, what is it, like seven or eight episodes over, oh, Aaron Donald took his shirt off again and... Jalen Ramsey right. made an incredible play. Will he get paid? Like those, those, I mean, I just don't think you can sustain a season that way. And so, um, yeah, it's just very, very different. But I also think that part of it between the difference between the shows too, is like there's, there was definitely built in drama, uh, because football itself is so dramatic, real football, not preseason or training camp football. And so, um, the, the, the natural arc of a season sort of carries a show in a way as well. Yeah, and I think a lot of it goes back to what Daniel said earlier. Is that the the two team? I, I totally understand why they why they did it. You know, two teams in Los Angeles, both going into SoFi Stadium, all that. But in terms of the storytelling, like it's got to be really hard to do. You know, they're they're jumping back and forth, and and when you don't kind of have a cohesive narrative between the two, um, it's hard. You know, you can't. There's nothing to kind of connect. Uh, the the hour you're just kind of like okay now it's this now it's this now it's this and it, it doesn't it doesn't really flow the way that you know a, a normal episode would so I don't know whether they anticipated that or maybe they just figured okay we we know that's going to happen but uh, we're we're going to give it go anyway but but I think that's made it maybe a little a little you know jaunting uh, at, at times to watch but but one thing they do share of course is is SoFi Stadium and in this past episode we've been waiting. Um, you know, we, we figured it would play a big part in the uh, in the series, and it, it did in this in this last episode. And and Jordan, to start with you, I thought it was really cool. I mean, any cynicism that we might have aside, 
I, I thought it was cool just to see the Rams players go in there for the first time, and they all have their cell phones out. They're all taking pictures and videos, not like for Instagram or whatever, not taking pictures of themselves, but literally just kind of walking around, like, you know, scanning the stadium because they think it's it's so cool. You were there um, for the for the first time when, when the Rams had their scrimmage there. Um, what did you think kind of watching the players and what was your experience? Because I don't think you'd ever even, had you ever even driven by the stadium? Had you ever (laughs) seen it in person? Um, so what was that day like? Yeah. So first and foremost, Sean McVay said that his favorite part of going to that stadium, because he'd, he'd seen it, but like not in that, not not in that capacity. He said his favorite part of that entire day, the scrimmage and going to the stadium was watching the players react as they walked onto the field for the first time. And I am so glad Hard Knock showed this because it was it was just a really beautiful moment because this wasn't a moment of, wow, look at what we have. Instead, it was a moment of, look where I am right now and I have done this, I made it. I worked so hard for this and here I am, I'm standing on this field and look at what's all around me and I'm doing it with my teammates. And that I think is beautiful. And you could see it all over these guys' faces. I mean, it was like, it was fantastic. It was just an incredible moment. I was so glad. I thought Hard Knocks captured it just extraordinarily well. Um, So as much as I've sort of crapped on them at the beginning of this episode, I do think they did that (laughs) extremely well. And I, you know, um, I, I just, I thought that was just, great. And I can see why it was Sean's favorite moment. I, I felt similarly when I walked in. First of all, I had never driven by it before and I missed my turn because I was arching my neck in my car to look at it. And so I'm lucky uh, there were not many people on the road or on the construction site because I veered off into a neighborhood. <laughs> I really, I mean, I could, I really, it, it's that amazing. And it's just like, you feel when you're on the outside, you feel almost like you're approaching a a spaceship. Like it felt very close encounters, but at the same time, you can just see all of the details. Um, you know, they really tried to make, make it feel so natural, a part of the natural space of Southern California. It's very breezy. It's very open. Um, the sun comes in from, from everywhere, but it's also this nice breeze comes through and it's just very, it's just exactly what you would think of when you think of like Southern California design your perfect patio kind of situation, you know? So it's really, <laughs> it's, it was really, really nice. And, 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 um, you know, Lindsay theory of ESPN, she was, I heard her interview on the radio the, the other day and she described it perfectly when she was on there. Cause she said, you know, it's, it wasn't unapproachable. Like it was, it was fancy, but it wasn't unapproachable. And I think that that's really important because that's how the Rams and Chargers are going to attract such a wide and diverse fan base. Uh, Hopefully they have some great options in terms of ticketing. And I know they'll have good concession options because I saw some of it, which was hilarious. Um, Kale salad and veggie burgers, which was great. I had the fried chicken. So, you know, it's, it was, it was so, um, it was just really, it felt so fresh to be in there and it was obviously gorgeous and like my brain left my skull when I first walked in and it was incredible. And then when I saw the Oculus and my eyeballs left my skull and so then there I am brainless and eyeballless and it just was incredible. And, but, but it also like, it was so easy to just get used to it and you could see the game so well on that board and 
Um, the Rams uniforms popped really nicely on that video board. I know the Chargers uniforms will pop really nicely on that video board. And it just was a really cool experience. And so to circle back, like I was so glad that Hard Knocks showed that experience that the players had because you have guys, um, I know Clay Johnston was like, heavily featured in this episode, you know, seventh rounder. And you just don't know if he's going to make the roster. But the fact that he got to have that moment, that means something. That's something that he's going to tell his kids about someday. Um, That's a that's a I made it moment. That's when sort of the bell goes off in your head. And so I thought that was very, very cool. And, you know, whatever, however, the show you know, teeters or waivers or whatever happens the next few episodes. I am very, very glad that they did that moment right. I just want to try. I yeah, just want to chime in here real quick. That, that yeah, Jordan, Jordan, you are already fitting the brand of of LA drivers being distracted on the road and veering into <laughs> neighborhoods. Great. <laughs> my experience Stoked. so far is that that <laughs> roughly seventy percent of people on the road are on their phone at any given time, distracted. So you you're fitting in just fine. Um, and the so the the Chargers are I don't I don't know when this is actually getting published but the um, the Chargers will be there on Thursday which is tomorrow for us um, mm-hmm. and I am excited for that exact reason that Jordan was just talking about um, and I will have my binoculars out watching all the undrafted guys and all the the you know the sixth sixth round pick Eloy Gilman and seventh round pick KJ Hill I mean it, it, it you feel bad you know I just I, you know, as a human, absent of being a, a journalist, you know, as a human, you feel bad for these guys who have been working their entire lives and have this opportunity now in NFL training camp, but don't have the same opportunity that other undrafted guys or late round draft picks have had in the past. You know, there's something right. special about putting on an NFL uniform and stepping onto a field for, even if it's a preseason game, you know, you, you, you get to tell your kids, like you were just talking about, you get to tell your kids that you played an NFL game. You get to go through warmups, you get to hear the music, you get to feel the crowd's energy. That's something that no one can ever take away from you unless there's a pandemic and the preseason games get canceled. And that's sort of where we're at. And it's going to be a very special moment to see some of these guys, you know, out there in their uniforms, warming up, even if there aren't any fans in the stands. Um, And I will be watching closely to, you know, see their reactions and that sort of thing. And I'm sure we'll get a nice little, uh, you know, behind the scenes look from Hard Knocks as well. Daniel, how do you think the Chargers will get represented here? Because I think, Unfairly or fairly, um, it's presented as SoFi Stadium is the Rams stadium where the Chargers also happen to play. And I I know why that happens, because Stan Kroenke spent billions upon billions upon billions of dollars to build SoFi Stadium. Um, But how do the how do the Chargers see that? Uh, Is it? Do you think it'll really be portrayed as their home the same way that it kind of was celebrated as being the Rams' home? Ultimately, teams have a good deal of control about sort of what gets into the episodes and what doesn't. So I would be thoroughly surprised if if Hard Knocks paints it in that way and, and you know makes it seem like this is the Rams' stadium and, and the Chargers are playing second fiddle. I can't imagine the Chargers would sign off on that kind of depiction. Um, right. So I imagine it will be more of, you know, the, the Chargers play here too. This is, this is equally theirs, you know. I, if, if they were to paint it another way, I imagine that they would have a pretty upset family in the Spanos family because that's obviously, you know, something that they're trying to avoid and a sort of a public perception that they're trying to change. 
um, despite what the facts say. Yeah, I, I agree. I just I'm trying to envision in my mind how this is going to go because we've just kind of had an episode where it was like the Rams show up and it's like, oh wow, amazing, you know. Like, are we going to do run it back and do the exact same thing next week where the Chargers show up and it's, oh wow, look, amazing, we're in the locker room. Like, I hope I, so. I, I, yeah, I guess I do too, but it's just kind of like, I almost wonder, I, I guess the timing really didn't work because obviously, like Daniel said, you know, the, the Chargers aren't going in until Thursday. The Rams, uh, you know, were, were there over the weekend. So it, the timing really didn't work to do it in the same episode, but it would have been cool to, to do it that way. Even, you know, to maybe even juxtapose, like cut back and forth. Here's their reaction. Here's their reaction. Uh, but I, I guess it, it, it didn't really work out that way, but um, but the, but the stadium now, now, Daniel, have you been inside? Yet? I haven't. My only view of the stadium has okay. been like flying, flying, flying into LAX and seeing it from above. So I haven't, I haven't gotten a chance to see it. So I'm like very excited to, to get my first look at it on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, uh, amazing. And, uh, you know, to, to Jordan's point, uh, the, the thing that struck me about it too, and I hadn't been in there since, uh, January, I think, but, but even then, the, the the scope of it it's it's enormous it's it's a huge huge stadium but it doesn't feel that way and, and I think that's what exactly what Jordan was speaking to and like she said what what Lindsay theory was talking about in her interview is you go in some places like I've been in Dallas and you go in there and I'm like this is just like it's it's enormous it's too big almost to to, to watch a game uh, but I don't get that feeling at SoFi Stadium I go in there and I think this is a huge place but it's also a really good place to watch a game. Um, now, unfortunately, what we learned uh, just a couple days ago is that both teams now have, um, I guess, conceded or, or come to the conclusion that no fans will be allowed, at, at least at the start of the season. I th- think they are leaving the door open uh, for, you know, if things should improve dramatically over the next couple months or whatever, that that, that could happen. Um for both of you, the, the the players, the reaction of the players to me has not seemed like lip service. It, it seems like they are upset um, that they won't be playing in front of fans. And, and Jordan, we certainly learned that Sean McVay, not a fan of the <laughs> artificial noise. But I, I guess I'm, I was a little surprised or taken back how much the players really do care about this stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of times they're thinking about their friends and their family. Um, you know, they're, they're really, because they're not sure yet if friends and family can come see them. And so like these guys get this experience of seeing the stadium and how beautiful it is and how much of an experience it would be for their families. And now they just don't know. And then obviously going through that crowd noise, the thing that sucked about that crowd noise was there was no ebb and flow. It was just one, one note the whole time. (laughs) It's like, it's like, you know, the sitcom episodes where they're like, you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Eee! Yeah, like right. the whole time. And it just was, I mean, I was up in the box, so I couldn't hear it as well. But like Sean McVay about lost his dang mind over that sound. So um, you could just see his eyes getting wider and wider. He was frustrated with it. <laughs> um, but, right. you know, the there was an audible reaction from these guys too. Like they didn't, they kind of knew that, this would be happening, but they didn't fully know and it hadn't been announced yet. And so the Rams decided that they were going to announce it during practice. And so they put it out during the practice and at the end of practice, Sean has his like big scrum 
and he brings everybody in and he's like, good job today, you know, yada, yada. And then he goes, hey, you know, you're going to hear it when you go back in the locker room. You're going to see it. There's not going to be any fans for the Dallas game. Oh, these players, they just were crushed. They were like, oh, like, I I mean, I'm across the field and I hear it. And it was it pulled at your heart a little bit because you're like, okay, first and foremost, we, we want everyone to be safe. Obviously, that's the main key. But it's so frustrating that, first of all, to me as a society, that we're not in a place where we can safely um, function. Mm-hmm. And second of all, that these guys have been just, especially since they saw the, the stadium in person and maybe picked out even where they wanted their families to sit. And then all of a sudden... You know, the, the thing that they were dreading had come to pass and they were just like, oh, what a gut punch. So I, so I think with the Chargers, this has been sort of years in the making, right? I mean, they've been playing at a soccer stadium for three seasons where pretty much any time there's a, there's a legitimate opponent in town, um, it's full of opposing fans. So there are guys who are at this point veteran players in the team who've never really experienced a true home game in the NFL. Um, and so, you know, maybe it wasn't going to be filled to capacity at, at SoFi Stadium, but with the ticket plans and, the, and, and how, how cheap they were, there was a hope within the organization that, you know, finally our team and our players were going to be able to experience a true NFL home game. And now that's been ripped away from them again. Um, and you add in the fact that they were expecting to be in SoFi last season, and the whole idea was they're going to be coming off a, an 11 to five season where they, you know, beat the Ravens in the playoffs, and then that gets postponed another season. They have a down season, and so now they're heading into the stadium without, you know, the, the excitement that they were initially planning for. So it's just been this this cascading, you know, um, you know, just you know, negative thing after thing, after thing, after thing, preventing them from, from, you know, really feeling like true NFL players where you get a packed stadium full of your own fans screaming and cheering you on. Um, and so, it, you know, with the Chargers, it's not just moving into SoFi and, and, and not having fans for this grand opening of the new stadium. It's years of this frustration of not, you know, having your fans rooting you on at home games. And I can't even imagine like what, where that frustration is at this point. Yeah, that's it, probably to a, a lesser extent with the Rams, but but I think a similar extent. I mean, it, it was a it was a long term thing when the Rams got here in 2016. Uh, you know, they were looking toward this moment too, like okay, we're going to be in our, in our own stadium, not going to be playing in the Coliseum. Uh, it's going to be a different feel, new uniforms, new logos. I mean, it was all building to 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 this moment, to to this September 13th, and and now it's not going to happen. So. Uh, you know, I guess I, I just didn't know how much that would trickle down to the players. I mean, obviously, it's huge for the front offices and the marketing people and, and everybody else. But it, it really did strike me uh, that, that, that the players are impacted, too. So how that translates to the field, I'm not really sure. But uh, certainly, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be a normal season uh, by any means. But uh, the other thing, and, and maybe we can close with this, is, um, you know, another thing that, that came out. Uh, during this episode is the lack of, you know, positive COVID-19 tests and let's, you know, everybody knock on wood. Um, and it seems to me that, that both teams have done, you know, everything that they can do in terms of protecting the environment, protecting the facilities and that sort of thing. But I, I want to get both of your takes on this, but I really applaud the players because, mm-hmm. 
you can do what you want when they're inside the facility. You can clean surfaces, you can social distance, but really to me, 95 to 99% of this is the players taking care of business when they're not at the facility, when they're you know away, when they're at home, when they're doing whatever they need to do. I frankly am, am shocked in a positive way that uh, that they've had such success with this. And and to me, you can credit the teams, you can talk about all the stuff that they've done, but but really a credit to the players for for the discipline that they've shown so far. Yeah, I think that can't be overlooked at all. That's a great point because you know this could have all gone the way of baseball and been a disaster, but it didn't. And especially these two teams are doing so well, um, it seems, with with their precautions and with sort of the discipline that they're approaching everything. I think there's a couple things that factor in. And one big one is when you don't have guys testing positive and like you're coming in and yes, you're, you're testing every day and you have these new um, restrictions and, and precautions in place and all of that's different than usual. But like, oh my goodness, does it feel good to be normal? Right. Like yeah. you are in a you're in an area where you're not worried because, you know, everyone around you is is negative, first of all, and that every every precaution imaginable has been taken. And and imagine like the anxiety, not just that, you know, the average person has felt, but people who are so hypersensitive about their bodies um, and their families and, and all of this. And, and you take that level of anxiety and all of a sudden it's gone because you're doing the things that you need to do. And holy crap, this might work. And I think that that is such a, such a fantastic feeling, um, to have if you're, if you're these guys that they're like, okay, we are not, (laughs) you know, I, I still worry long-term about sort of the fatigue and then you have to get travel, you have to travel and all that stuff. And that's going to be its own hurdle to cross. But right now, the guys are handling it so well. And I do think part of it is like, thank God we finally feel normal doing this. We finally feel like life has not been completely altered as we know it. And we can just be football players right now. And that's a remarkable, wonderful feeling. And so we're not going to do anything to mess that up. So I, I appreciate your optimism, Jordan, but I, like, I'm not, <laughs> I, I'll, that's the disclaimer. I'm not as optimistic that like that the NFL has like officially avoided an MLB type situation because MLB really started dealing with their outbreaks once teams started traveling and NFL teams aren't doing that yet. And I think a key point here is that, so all these teams are in one location right now, you know, at least with the chargers, they're allowing veterans to go home, but their, their rookies are at a team hotel. Um, and these training camp days are grueling days. I mean, you're, they're up at five in the morning. They're going to meetings. The Chargers are practicing from 10 to 1130. They go back, they get some lunch, they go to another meeting, they have a walkthrough. I mean, these are tw- like 12, 14 hour days they're working. And then, you know, these guys are falling asleep at eight o'clock because they're just so exhausted. There's no time or room for any personal activities during training camp. Now, once the season starts, you're going to have off days on Tuesdays and you're going to, and at least for now, you know, I don't think teams have officially stated that they're going to do the day in day out traveling. So you're going to potentially have some Saturday nights in cities where the players are off and like how strict can you be with grown men and saying like, okay, you have to stay in the, in the hotel and, and have curfew. I imagine some teams might do that, but if you don't, I mean, are you really going to trust 22, 23, 24, 25 year old guys to stay in a team hotel if say you're playing in Miami or are they going to want to go out and grab a bite to eat? or do something social. I mean, these guys are young, they're young men and, and like they wanna go out and have a social life, obviously. Um, that is where 
is go it's going to be the breaking point. You know, either yeah. either these guys are going to commit in those moments and do the things that you're saying that they're doing during training camp, or or you're going to have guys that aren't and they're going to try and have a social life. And ultimately, it's not a situation where it takes a, a bunch of guys to do it for there to be an outbreak. It literally takes one player on one team to you know, go out to eat and, and it might not even be his fault. He might have clearance from the team, but say he gets infected at a restaurant and then that one player plays in the game on a Sunday and then everyone on the field gets infected because you're blood, you're bleeding and you're sweating and you're spitting and all that kind of stuff on the field. Um, so I'm reserving my judgment until these teams actually start traveling during the season. And if they get through a full season without having an outbreak, then power to the NFL and power to the coaches and the front offices for sort of building the culture up to where these players, you know, are really bought into, to trying to make this happen as seamlessly as possible. Um, but I'm, I'm generally a skeptic. So I'm waiting until the season starts before I'm saying that they actually achieve this. My, my counter proposal is that maybe I am so much of a skeptic that I lowered the bar to the extreme to where I'm like, you guys didn't get anyone sick in training camp. You're so amazing. You know, like <laughs> that's, yeah. but no, I, Daniel, I completely, I completely agree with you. Once you factor the travel in that changes this entire conversation. So for now, great, Great sign. Um, first and foremost, glad that m- people have their health. But, you know, once you factor all of the things that come with travel and playing other teams, um, yeah, that's that's where we're going to run into some issues, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely not a time to declare victory. There's there's no question about that. And I think a lot of it's going to be, you know, how, how long does that motivation hold up? Like we were saying, the motivation's really high right now. These guys are so excited to be on the field, to be playing football, to be doing that. It is, is that level going to going to hold over over a span of three or four months? Um, exactly. I, I guess we'll see. I hope so. Uh, but I certainly understand uh, Daniel being a little <laughs> skeptical about, about whether uh, that's going to happen. Happen. So, uh, Daniel, uh, we, we should note also that uh, one thing people did not see in Hard Knocks on, on Tuesday night was uh, that a lot of that was about uh, Melvin Ingram's uh, situation, which Daniel was all over on the Athletic uh, app and website. Um, it might have looked like other people were, were reporting out that story, and they were at other times, but uh, Daniel did a, a, an amazing job of, of kind of bringing that story to light, and it ended up being a very interesting part of uh, this this most recent episode. So, uh, Daniel, keep up the good work on the Chargers. And uh, unfortunately, there's no Rams and Chargers game uh, this year, but we, we will look forward to uh, having you back on and uh, talking more about uh, everything that's going on in L.A. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on, guys. You can follow Daniel Popper on Twitter at Daniel R. Popper. Great name. We are aware. Um, He covers the Chargers for The Athletic, and you can find his work at theathletic.com. You can find his work by subscribing to this podcast for a discount. Rich, what do I love? You love a deal. I love a good deal. So you guys can subscribe to 11 Personnel. Um, on any, you know, through the athletics website, through the app, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, please don't forget to give us a, a, a nice rating, five stars, I think, though I'm completely biased. And uh, we look forward to continuing our series on Player X. Guys, <laughs> we will have Player X on the podcast. And uh, as always, thanks so much for joining. <laughs>